Hello, this is FutureSight, a show from Capgemini Invent, where we explore emerging technology trends and new ways for you to adapt and grow your business. I'm Liz Lunier, a Director of Global Analyst Relations here at Capgemini and host of FutureSight. Joining me on the podcast today are four people from across Capgemini who have made it their business to research and discover the most important solutions to food waste across the globe. We'll be hearing from Case Jacobs, who looks after consumer products and retail data and analytics solutioning across the value chain to help solve for issues like food waste. From Lindsay Mazza. Hello, everyone. I'm Capgemini Group's global retail lead, and I think food waste is everyone's problem. From the consumer to the retailer to the manufacturer, we're here to help solve food waste challenges to reduce food waste in the world. From Owen McCabe. Hello, everybody. I'm Owen McCabe. I'm the vice president for e-commerce globally, and I think digital commerce can be both part of the problem, but also part of the solution. And finally, from Jean-Baptiste Perron. Hi, everyone. My name is indeed Jean-Baptiste Perron. I'm vice president and Invent for Society global leader, our movement aiming to value how social and environmental impact is part of the fabric of what we do every day with our clients. In today's episode, we're talking about food waste, one of the biggest challenges facing both consumers and businesses in the food industry today. A statistic that shocked me is that some 870 million people around the planet are undernourished. But at the same time, almost 2.5 billion tons of food produce goes uneaten annually. So clearly, this is a huge issue. At Capgemini, our research institute recently released a report entitled Reflect, Rethink, Reconsider, which all our guests today helped put together that looks into solutions to address this issue. So let's dive into this topic, starting with Lindsay. Lindsay, can you tell me why food waste is such an important issue for consumers and businesses alike? Liz, first of all, from a a planet, from a humanitarian point of view, saving just 50% of the food that's currently lost to waste each year could end world hunger. If we literally just saved half of the food that we throw away, there would be no world hunger in the world. And I think that's enough of a reason. But what we're here to share with you today is that that's not only true for the benefit of all of society for all of humanity, but it's also true for the benefit of households, for the benefit of retailers, and for the benefit of the consumer packaged goods companies or the food industry that manufactures food. And the reason for that is we're able to take so much cost out by reducing waste of your household expenditures, of your uh, business expenditures, of your transportation costs, your inventory holding costs, and more, that it makes sense for all of us to tackle this problem as a very first priority. So why is this such a problem and why is it really happening? And what are these consequences that we're seeing today? Well, Liz, food loss and the waste of food actually refers to when we lose either uh, volume, quantitative volume of food or nutritional value of food and the editable parts of it throughout anywhere in the supply chain, from agricultural production to post-harvest handling, um, distribution and storage, the manufacturing process itself, once the food actually becomes the food that you buy, downstream distribution and storage, 
within the wholesale channels or the retail channels. That's food at the shelf in the retailer. And then, of course, within the food service businesses, so within restaurants or household consumption of it, there's 1.2 billion tons of food that's lost on the farm and harvest stages. That's a lot of food. There's 370 million tons that's actually lost in just the distribution and storage of food. And then closer to the food loss component, so those both make up the food loss area, agricultural production through upstream and downstream distribution and storage. When we get to the retail shelf and the consumer's home, another 931 million tons of food is wasted. And that is truly what we think of as, as the waste. So that's food that is edible, available to be eaten, and could be eaten by any human being or animal or other or other that needs food, but is wasted in its consumption stage. And it's important that we go ahead and think about ways that we can reduce that from that process because we can combat a lot of what happens there by uh, not buying excess, using the foods that we buy, by making sure that we use leftovers and things that are easy incremental substitutes that we can make within our household, within the restaurants that we go to, and within the retail stores that we shop from. And then upstream in the food loss area, our consumer packaged goods production companies can help farmers and help their own supply chains by supporting the reduction of loss from food in that in that component of the channels as well. Okay. So I'm hearing you say that there's two different areas. So you've got food loss coming in from the agricultural side of it, and then you have food waste, which is, you know, more of the consumer side of it. Who would you say are the key contributors to food waste? Interesting. So the food loss area, that's our manufacturers of food, the farms and the agricultural production, farming and manufacturers. In the food waste area, we have the waste at the retail shelf. So when food expires, goes out of date, isn't sellable from the shelf itself. So grocery stores, mass merchants, drug stores, you name it. And then additionally, we have restaurants as another area where consumer foods are overplated in many countries and not eaten or consumed in the restaurant either taken home as leftovers or left on the plate and not used there. And then lastly, within the consumer home itself. So really the retail shelf, the restaurant plate, and your home plate and refrigerator are the places where food waste takes place, where food loss takes place in the farm or in the manufacturing or distribution process. I got it. There's a lot of trends for obviously consumers who are you know quite conscious today that they want to look at food waste. But should we be putting the honest on the consumers or should it actually be on the producers to deal with the food waste issues that we're having today? Given the numbers, Liz, uh, you know, 1.2 billion in the in the food loss at the farm or in handling before it ever gets distributed. That's a huge amount of food waste. That's actually the largest food loss that takes place is at the farm. Then we have the manufacturing process. It's much more limited in scale. It's about a quarter of the loss that happens there. And then another almost almost billion tons, 931 million tons happens within the retailer and the consumer's home. And so I don't think that we have to say it's one person's fault or one person's problem. This is everyone's problem. This is everyone's opportunity to be able to solve this challenge out there and to create a world where we reduce food waste and all of the carbon emissions and um, transportation that goes along with wasted food. But we also you know, can feed people who need food on this planet. 
everyone needs to eat and we want to be able to feed them. And we can do that with just the food that's lost. So I like this idea of we all share in the problem. We all share in the solution. There's an opportunity for the food service businesses, for consumer households and for retailers all to do things that further the cause of being able to reduce food loss and waste. Oh, and what are your thoughts here on food waste? Yeah, well, I think food waste is very interesting. If, it, if it's 37% of all of the, the food loss and food waste happens between the retailer and the consumer, there's something going on there that we should double click on. And, and really, you know, the, the, the lead hypothesis for this is that there's, there's a recalibration that's required between, you know, the, the missions, the shopping missions that would have happened, you know, even as recently as 10, 15 years ago versus the ones that are happening today. 10 years ago, everybody did a big shop, or at least, you know, that was the majority mission. And people planned, you know, meal planning. I used to get into trouble with my wife a lot because if she let me go shopping, I'd just go down the promotional aisle and she'd say, well, where's the meal for Tuesday, right? I wouldn't have that. But, you know, there was a very clear plan around the meals. And with societal changes, you know, with more women in the workforce, with everything sort of changing around generationally as well, you know, 60% of the centennials, or the people in their early 20s now, you know, when they leave the office or their, or their uh, place of study, you know, and they go home, they don't know what they're going to eat that night. You know, so the meals for tonight is suddenly a big mission. And you can see quick commerce and other things pop up around that. So this recalibration between the way people shop and how they consume is, is not really happened. And therefore, there is a little bit of dissonance that's crept in that I think is, is really fueling that food waste is that we haven't really calibrated around these missions properly. And do you think that the trends have changed a bit in the terms of food waste since the pandemic as well? Well, since the pandemic has only accentuated trends that were already happening, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, you could see the way that people were starting to order anytime, anywhere for anything they wanted. And really that had to, that, that couldn't be sustainable. You know, ultimately you need to pay the costs of, of what you're doing. There needed to be a rebalancing out. And that's where I think things will evolve from. If the retailer and the consumer will find a different balance point around how they get, you know, the mix of channels that shoppers buy from and the uh, the range of, of products and, and indeed the way they fulfill those products from retailer side. Case, do you have any thoughts here? Yeah, I think it's critical that there is a joint opportunity, but also a joint responsibility. Also a responsibility of uh, retailers and consumer goods brands not to be you know, passive observers of this, but, but to be active change agent when it comes to the behaviors of consumers. And we see from our research that consumers proactively are more conscious and driven uh, by this, but they need support. And this is where uh, retailers and CPG companies truly can help in uh, avoiding food waste by uh, consumers. Uh, That's what they want, but that's also what society ultimately uh, wants. And I think the one interesting finding from our research, especially from consumers themselves, is that uh, there is the sentiment of anger that they expect to be helped in not having to throw away uh, food unnecessarily or to repurpose it um, in in, in the right way. And this is something where uh, the whole of the value chain, so from, from agriculture to ultimately consumers have an opportunity in being fully in sync with each other. From all the data triggers that also Lindsay mentioned, that is synchronized with uh, the supply so that there is no excess supply unnecessarily, that there are no unneeded promotional goods 
that are either leftovers or or left over or you know get consumed too quickly so it, it it that is where the matching of supply and demand is is critical and a responsibility for the whole of the industry to be transparent on that case you said something that i think was very important to you know further extrapolate on you talked about the awareness that's out there and i think you're absolutely right consumers are increasingly aware of food waste and you may, you mentioned it as anger but the awareness of food waste out there and what consumers want to do is so specific that we've seen incredible year-over-year growth in the search by consumers. 174% increase in the number of conversations consumers are having around food security and around climate change. We're seeing 278% increase in um, the search for kitchen composting solutions and 80% year-over-year growth in um, how to increase the shelf life of food. And that's pretty incredible. Incredible. That's the response to the anger that you mentioned and the awareness that's coming to consumers. And what I really value about that is I think that um, the consumers drive our industry. The retail and consumer products industry is driven based on the demand by consumers. And that's why we talk about what consumers want and how we can fulfill And that's why I think it's so relevant that consumers are at the forefront of this and having these conversations. They are angry to your point. They're becoming aware. They want to respond to it. And that will help drive changes within retailers and in manufacturers, consumer packaged goods companies who are both wanting to do the right thing, but also want to fulfill the new promise that they're making to consumers that they are doing the right thing for the for the world and for humanity. Well, you keep Referring to all these wonderful statistics, can you tell us a little bit about that report, Lindsay, on food waste? How was it put together? Oh, I'd be thrilled to. So Capgemini Research Institute, the number one research um, from a consultancy institute that's out there, has shared a a research report that really sought to understand the end-to-end view of the food value chain from a waste perspective and extend that understanding of how organizations can implement better food management systems to reduce food waste. So the whole purpose is to try to figure out how companies can help in this process, how consumers are reacting and what their demands are and what the organizations that support food service industry can do in response to that. So it really understands the current experiences, the challenges, the benefits, uh, partners, manufacturers, many aspects of the supply chain in order to be able to support and takes that into consideration from a point of view of organizations, but also looks at consumer experiences and food waste in the home and efforts to roadblock and reduce it and how the consumer has different expectations from organizations. So gr- great report that's out there from the Capgemini Research Institute seeking to understand the amount of food waste that's taking place and food loss that's taking place and what are some specific opportunities for us to be able to challenge that and to overcome that. Really interesting. So how does the report outline the key challenges in changing attitudes? I know, Case, you talked a little bit about anger, but how are the attitudes changing for both consumers and businesses? Owen, do you want to take this? I think that, that what's interesting is that, you know, one of the things the report threw up that really I found uh, fascinating is just beyond that anger point was the way that, that the consumers are actually blaming organizations, at least 60% of them, are blame are upset at the organizations for leading them there. They're, and again, that's why I say they're not tuned in properly. I think there's a real dissonance there. And I think the, the response, uh, if there is the response, is to actually stop treating consumers like consumers, as if they're somehow passive consumer cows at the end of a linear supply chain, waiting to, to take whatever we 
we sort of send down this this supply chain towards them. You know, I've got a 19-year-old daughter. She's not going to be a passive consumer. She's a very active, you know, contributor to society. And she will really interrogate these new companies, you know, any company that's going to sell her anything. You know, are they getting it right, really? This younger generation really tune into this and they will not take the easy options that we may have done. What about businesses themselves? How are businesses' attitudes changing from a food waste perspective? The anger has really registered, right? I mean, you know, we all work in consumer good companies where there's a think-do gap. What people say and what they do is very different. And maybe we get a little bit comforted by that. We sort of think, well, I know they say that they're angry, but I don't really believe it. You know, I'll wait till there's an angry mob with pitchforks at my gate, and then maybe I'll do something. Well, guess what? There's an angry mob with pitchforks, and they really do want to see this change. So I think the the, the companies have listened. And, you know, I, I attended uh, the Consumer Goods Forum, you know, with Case and, and a few others, and CEO after CEO got up on stage, spoke about this, and, and actually really, really meant it. It is a mission-critical thing for their, for them, for their investors, for their KPIs, you know, that they're on board. Absolutely. And, you know, you're talking about very quantifiable business outcomes. In order to have this kind of quantifiable business outcome, you also have to have data. So Case, do you have any challenges that are based around data that the people are looking at? Yeah. So the good thing is that there is so much value from a lot of data that can help synchronizing supply and and demand and, and help also consumers themselves be more appropriate in the way they deal with food so that there's less waste. Still, in reality, there are still a lot of opportunities to, to do better. We, for example, see that a lot of companies, and that's a good thing in itself, are trying to help out on this. For example, give all kinds of uh, recipe uh, suggestions to avoid food waste. But at the same time, so 50% of, of, of CP companies and retail companies say that they are actively doing that. But at the same time, only 17% of those consumers appreciate that. They see that. So there's a big gap between uh, what retailers truly think they are doing versus how this is perceived by consumers. And this is where data can help out in truly understanding the, the sentiments and the behaviors, the real behaviors of, of consumers. Second thing that is lacking right now is that there is a lot of data leverage from individual companies, but it's all quite fragmented and it's mostly all at a lower scale, but it's not doing those things at scale. And it's also not doing those things collaboratively. So we see a lot of fragmentation of companies doing things themselves, but not truly have the right impact as they could do when uh, they would have a better collaboration and sharing of, of data. So this is where good news, but also bad news. Good news, a lot of initiatives, and in the report you will find some very compelling examples. But the bad news is it's not getting value at scale enough yet, and there is not efficient collaboration across the whole value chain. When you're saying this, I mean, sharing is great. I'm all for sharing and collaboration, but what about the security side of it? What about a food chain security aspect of this whole piece? Well, if you talk about uh, food security as such, when which is different compared to uh, food waste. Huh? So it's, it's about the quality of, of foods, for example. Absolutely. There's the same issue that we see there where retailers and CPG individually can do the right things. And Food security is, is a big issue for many companies. There have been some 
crisis situations that came up with. And But then typically what happens is that companies are very reactive in uh, dealing with that and uh, are doing mostly tactical and technical responses to that rather than truly ha- you know, make sure that both food waste as well as food security are, are being addressed. So they're very much uh, related to each other, security and, and waste. So now I'm going to ask a question, you know, Capgemini isn't technically a consumer packaged goods company or a grocer. Why is it important for such companies such as Capgemini to be focused on societal issues like food waste? Jean-Baptiste? Sure, I'm happy to, to take this one. I think at Capgemini, we chose to have a, a dedicated focus on, on food waste since it's a society topic and it's a society shocking pain point. As we've heard, it triggers mostly anger, but it triggers also sadness. It triggers fear and it triggers misconceptions regarding the reality of the impact of food waste among consumers and among citizens, misconceptions around the effective carbon footprint of food waste compared to, for example, the aviation industry, misconception around whether we need to produce more food to end hunger or not, and misconception on the fact that it has a direct impact on climate change, we have, as a technology and a digital leader, a responsibility and an ambition to try to find effective ways, uh, successful ways to answer some of the business pain points that uh, we've tried to summarize in the beginning of the, the podcast. We know that digital technologies are causing massive global disruptions, and it is our role at Capgemini to leverage digital technologies and uh, the brain of our team members to engage in projects that shape the future of food waste. Well, tell me about one of those projects. Tell me about what um, work you have done in this space. So one thing that is pretty fascinating in the area of food waste is that you can effectively help many different clients, many different actors uh, to find some effective uh, solutions that can implement better food management systems to reduce food waste or develop links with related issues such as circularity, sustainable packaging, and other, unfortunately, key trendy issues that have to become more entrenched in new food provider and customer habits. Let me take two examples. For a large French retailer, our use case demonstrated that a key success factor is to better predict sales through an analytical and data perspective with data and artificial intelligence in order to optimize the full supply chain through the full value chain from local to central warehouses namely um, production, transportation, sales processes, and therefore indirectly reduce food waste. We need to remember that large retailers are responsible for almost 20% of the 150 kilos of food that is wasted every year by each and every citizen. So this first example for a large retailer, but let's take also global international institution and organizations such as uh, World Food Programme which is all about using data and tech to reach vulnerable people more quickly and effectively reducing food loss in the overall value chain. So their goal was to use the better technology and they went with a Palantir implementation 
to be able to secure uh, the overall value chain, even when the pandemic, and we talked about the effect of pandemic on uh, this uh, food waste new uh, pain point, when the pandemic shuttered transport lines and threw hundreds of thousands of people into effective hunger in, in specific countries. And, and, and therefore, World Food Program turned to the power of data to deliver to the last mile, enabling staff to swiftly find the information they need to make informed decisions, anticipate problems in advance, and find ways to work around them. We estimate, and we've been helping World Food Program to implement this Palantir technology, that we helped uh, the World Food Program to save enough money to feed an additional 2 million people for your through the implementation of such a project. That's absolutely fantastic. Has any of your work changed any customer habits or found any new results? Well, I, I think clearly that when, when, we, when it comes to relate the results of our work and uh, what can we effectively change for the consumer or the citizen, it turns out that uh, companies and organizations that we are helping are effectively trying to add a larger link with the purpose, with their purpose, and how they should adapt their purpose to such new society and social trends with the results that they are able to engage. That's fascinating. You know, Owen, I'd actually like to go back to what you were saying about Marks and Spencers earlier. And you mentioned that they've taken the the best sell-by date off of some of the food. Can you tell me a little bit more about some of the new methods that are out there to increase the shelf life of food and why this is important? A lot of it has to do with actually looking at the supply chain from farm to fork and, and, and indeed, you know, uh, for non-food as well, you know, looking at how you can compress how long it takes in that supply chain. So it has maximum time on the shelf. So it's still the same amount of freshness. It's still the same amount of um, of usability, but it's just the longer it spends in the supply chain, the less time there is for the consumer to enjoy it. And so it's really using that sort of ability to to get into, I think, the tighter demand spaces uh, that you, you you can unlock, you know, using a lot of these different channels. So, I mean, I mentioned before that the rise of quick commerce or fast grocery, these small players like uh, Gatier or Gorillas or GoPuff that are, are popping up all over the place, DoorDash, whatever, you know, these guys are filling a need because, you know, we define convenience now, not by distance, but by, by, by time. And in theory, there's less waste as well, you know, if you're using quick commerce, because you're ordering just what you need. You don't have that situation I find myself in sometimes where, you know, it's a Friday, you, you know, you're going to do the shopping on a Saturday and you're trying to figure out what you're going to make out of what's left in the fridge. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 in theory, don't, don't have that problem. Lindsay, thoughts? I think that the future is changing for the grocery and the food industry. And we are going to move to uh, more daily type of style pickups, which is a different approach than what we see in the U.S. and in a lot of Western countries. And I think that that Owen is correct, that that will trigger grocers to do things differently in terms of being able to support that. It means consumers will waste less, but it also means retailers have to be prepared for the changes of when they're going to have to serve consumers. It will no longer be big deliveries to the store to prepare for the weekend and small refills throughout the week, but more uh, distributed flow throughout the week. And that also changes how CPGs will have to respond to retailers in terms of their shipments going uh, on perishable and um, expiring products as well. 
And, you know, you mentioned before that that some businesses have actually sought to scale some of their food waste solutions. How have they sought to scale these food waste solutions and has it been effective? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. In fact, organizations right now are not as on track as we'd like to see with moving to scale food waste initiatives. And I think that's largely because the food chain is very fragmented. You have, you know, sourcing, you have transportation and storage, you have manufacturing, you have packaging, you have retail operations, consumers. They're all different entities that have different goals. And often each one of those is individually being optimized, but not necessarily optimizing the entire value change. But there are value practices that exist, best practices that exist throughout this entire chain that are going to support that. We're seeing uh, data sharing, as as Case mentioned. We're seeing government regulations and ESG uh, requirements on waste disposal. We're seeing more adequate resources and skills and knowledge become available to engage in food waste management initiatives. We're integrating new and existing systems and tools. We're prioritizing the issue of food waste management and food waste investors rather than creating waste itself. And I think the combination of that engagement by the consumer, collaboration across the value chain, across businesses, and government agencies or external agencies and even internal monitoring and governing food waste initiatives is really going to create a three-pronged approach to fighting food waste, and that's being powered by technology. So I, I like where we're ending up in terms of being able to defragment and collaborate and move forward to achieve those ish initiatives at scale. And it turns out that when organizations do those things, consumers are rewarding those organizations because they're reducing food waste. So we're seeing consumers say, 91% of consumers, for instance, so that they were willing to buy from brands and retailers that disclose information about their food waste. So the more that organizations are able to track and monitor and engage and collaborate with consumers and their business partners, suppliers, manufacturers, retailers themselves, consumers are much more likely to buy. A 91% willingness to buy is astronomical. So that increase in their willingness to buy just because you've disclosed the information is tremendous. If If I may build on that, Lindsay, I think it's important for executives, companies in general, to understand the evidence of purpose, and in this case, waste and performance go hand in hand, and that people are not enough aware of that. And also, if I look at the use of data, to have data-driven contribution to decreasing waste, we see actually the problem is less on the data itself. So the data foundations often are are in place there. The issue is mostly on the data behaviors. To what extent is it part of default behaviors of whether it's in eat in supply chain, whether it's in commerce, whether it's at retailers, whether it's at manufacturers, distribution company, or further upstream. It is about the behaviors to truly be data driven, understand the issue and translate it not only from a sustainability and purpose perspective, but also from a performance perspective, because those angles are clearly there. But that's not where the industry is. And that's where why this report is so powerful, because it's giving the evidence. But you know, the, the, the true examples are not there at scale yet. So there's a great opportunity across the whole value chain to improve on this for the sake of the benefit of everyone. I, I just wanted to add in, actually, to what uh, Kay said, but also what Lindsay was just saying. 
you know, there's an upbeat message in the report as well, which is that consumers are rewarding the companies that get it right in terms of willingness to purchase, in terms of actual purchase, in terms of then repeat purchase, and in terms of advocacy. All across the funnel, there is a, a, a noticeable increase around you know, uh, rewarding those companies to get it right. And, and I think that's something that, you know, is, is important because it can look all doom and gloom if you think about food waste. You can think we're a little bit sort of on a, a road to nowhere, but there's a lot of positivity and a lot of opportunity to sort of fix it and, and, and get it right. And, and and the idea that there's so much within the, op- in the food chain, even before we get to the retailer, that can be done is reassuring in a strange way. You know, you'd hope that that can be fixed more easily with a little bit of an intent from the ecosystem of different companies and suppliers and and, and, and uh, farmers, et cetera. Well, it sounds like one of the nice things here is, is that from a business sense, profit is aligning with planet. And there is the people are getting rewarded for taking sustainable actions when it comes to food waste. But one of the statistics that really stuck out to me in the report was that saving just 50 percent of the food waste currently lost or wasted each year could actually end world hunger. How much waste could some of these solutions save annually? So I think there is a challenge for the world basically to feed the growing population across the world for every month. We have 5 million people extra. So that's the size of Singapore that needs to be fed every month more and more. So, of course, there are other innovations and other agility in the value chain that should help on this. But indeed, just improving on less waste will help us feed the world now, but especially moving forward, because otherwise it will be a critical situation. Lindsay, do you think that business in the financial case are the best incentive for the business? Well, I think the first case is we're doing something that supports ending world hunger. And it's not only world hunger, but, you know, when we talk about food waste, just the food waste, not all food production, if it were a country, it'd be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases after the U.S. and China. So when we look at the benefits to our planet of both humanitarian, ending world hunger, and for our environment of reducing gas emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, there's a major benefits case to us doing this. And to me, you know, as, as a practical minded person, when we couple those things with business benefits and consumer benefits in your own household for what you need to buy in order to support the food that you're planning to eat and in businesses for new revenue streams, revenue improvements and cost reductions, then why wouldn't we start doing these things? Let's let's get started. Let's increase and improve and let's gain you know, consumer confidence and trust, improving our planet and saving and and benefiting from it at the same time. Are there any other key recommendations from the report that we've missed? I believe we've covered a, most of them. I think there's a few that are worth emphasizing. Companies need to look at themselves hard in the mirror around the opportunity to really uh, get their initiatives right. For whatever historical reasons, only one in five of them are on track. And there's a real opportunity now just to get serious and invest in them properly. You know, maybe in the, in the past, there's been some greenwashing. But as I say, listening to the CEOs talk in the last year, you know, they're all very purposeful about it. And I think there is a need now to, to really uh, get them right first time now, not just kick the can down the road. I think we're actually close to time now. So do we have any last thoughts? Lindsay, do you have any last thoughts for us? I mean, I think we've talked a lot about the statistics around this and how we can really help. Mm-hmm. I really see us being able to 
collaborate across the business model, really implementing and scaling technology solutions that can deliver maximum impact and support visible, agile, intelligent supply chains that help us understand who the consumer is, what they want to buy, when they want to buy it, where they'll buy it from, and collaborate across that wider ecosystem in order to support that intelligent network. Owen talked about consumers no longer being passive, but being an engaged member of society. And I see that as extrapolated from the consumer to the retailer, to the packaged goods companies and food manufacturers that support it. So my main message that I would like to share is let's collaborate across the value chain to create further intelligent networks that are aware of who the consumer is and what they want so that we can better serve and fulfill on promises we make to the consumer, whether those are promises to support our environment, to support our food production and, and redu reduction in waste, or promises to just have the products available when consumers need them. So that's all the time we've got today. So thanks so much to Keys, Lindsay, Owen, and Jean-Baptiste for coming on the show. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find links to other sustainability-related podcasts and the Capgemini report mentioned today in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to FutureSight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In our next episode, we will be discussing ideas around employee experience and reculturing with Melissa Diamler. You won't want to miss it. This has been Future Sight, a show from Capgemini Invent. We'll see you soon. <laughs>